Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I'm so grateful that you're here with me today. We are going to talk all about anxiety today. I This is a subject I've been wanting to dive into for a while now, especially considering that I myself was diagnosed with severe physical and mental anxiety a couple of months ago. So when this happened, Lauren Elman reached out to me in the most compassionate way by just offering her own experiences and ensuring that I knew I wasn't alone. So right then and there, I knew I wanted to have her on the podcast to have an open, honest, and just raw conversation all about anxiety and all things that people don't talk about, at least not in the open. I'm such a firm believer that mental health is never, ever anything to be ashamed of. Never, ever. And the more we can relate to one another through our struggles, the more compassion seeps through. And the more compassion that seeps through, the more we see each other as human beings on this planet, one in the same, just doing our best, all up against something. Anxiety is surely a feeling that every human will encounter in their life at some point, but This episode is truly dedicated to those of you who deal with it on a daily, weekly basis. Those of you who feel crippled and sometimes paralyzed by the overwhelm, I want you to feel seen and heard here, and I can't think of anyone better than Lauren Elman of The Perfect Podcast to do this alongside me. So let's go to the show. Okay, so Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. I absolutely loved being on your podcast earlier this year and just feel so grateful that You're now taking the time to be here on mine, especially as you've offered up yourself to me. You cracked wide open around your own personal mental health experiences with living with anxiety when I kind of made my my out with that on Instagram. So thank you. Mm, Yeah, I didn't realize that was you coming out, I guess. I didn't realize that was your first time becoming like open and talking to other people about it. But yeah, that's what I do. I love talking to others about my experience and giving them space to talk about theirs. It's super helpful. Yeah, it really is. And like the only way that I can really relate is like when I lost my dad in 2013, nothing was helping. Like people actually just bothered me. Like it was like this irritability thing. And the only thing that felt comforting was people who had like the same direct experience and I was like okay that feels comforting and I feel like anxiety is the same way but it's a little taboo it's sort of I think at least in my experience it's been viewed as this thing to hide or um, it's viewed as like a weakness and truly the more and more that I've really melted into my own experience I'm like no this is a part of the human experience you know, truly. And people, I don't think that we remind ourselves of that enough. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And and along with it being taboo, I found that like, we're all just so uneducated about it. Mm -hmm. Like we're not well-versed in like recognizing the symptoms, signs, understanding what the solutions might be. Like we don't know Mm -hmm. as much as we might know about like what to do if you break an arm or what to do if you like have asthma, you know, you can like go to doctors and figure these things out. But yeah, like, especially with kids and without the tools, you kind of are just lost. So I love being able to create space to talk about this and encourage others to do it and create that spiral because that's like the best thing we can do right now. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get super into um, anxiety, because before we hit record, I told Lauren, I'm like, let's just go because I feel (laughs) like we're going to have a lot to talk about. But um, I wanted to give you the chance to just tell anyone some background, like who you are and what it is that you do, where you live, and just sort of like how life is for you right now. 
with everything sure. going on? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's a loaded question. Yeah, but, no kidding. Um, uh, yeah, so who I am, my name is Lauren Elman, like Cassandra introduced me, and um, I am a podcast host myself, as well as a writer, and I got started with all of this. I mean, I started writing maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I had my first blog. And she's a published author. Boom, boom. Yeah, I'm a published <laughs> author. Um, I, I'm too humble to say <laughs> things like that. But yes, I'll do it I for am. you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you. Um, but yes, yes, I'm getting more comfortable talking about that, especially because I'm about to self-publish my second book. Yes. It's like all on my own shoulders, so I have to be able to like scream it from the rooftops yeah um but yeah so I started a blog I got out of college and then I kind of just kept writing and publishing for for the past 10 years um I after college I went and got a job as a creative in a creative advertising agency here in Miami so I grew up in Miami I've lived in Florida my whole life I went to school in Orlando I came back to Miami to work and that was like the job I wanted. I loved it. I loved the off the office, the people, everything. It was like the job I had been wanting the whole time I was in college. And I worked really hard to get it. I got into the right school, into the right program, did the internships, like checked off all the boxes. And then when I was in the job, I got came to this realization that like, maybe I don't like it. Mm. (laughs) I was like, oh, maybe I don't like doing this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I loved the people. I loved the environment. Like so much of it was like right on brand for me, but the work itself was like not in alignment. And I didn't really know what to do with that because no one really tells you that that happens. It's just like, you go to school, you get a job, you like your job and you Mm -hmm. just follow all the, the path. So when I was in the middle of that identity crisis, I met my now husband And life kind of just took a left turn. I quit my job. I started working for myself. Um, I freelanced. I was publishing in like online publications, wrote the book, started like blogging more. And now I have a podcast. And then since becoming a mom, I do that. Yeah. (laughs) Your fullest job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, that's the best job. That's my number one on the resume is being a mom. It's so much fun. And the most, it's the most exhausting and time consuming and all of that, but it's the most rewarding. Yeah. And yeah, so that's what I do now. And I just hang out on Instagram Mm -hmm. and share my life there and I write and I do my podcast. Yeah. Love it. So Lauren and I met in Florida um, when I lived in Florida for a couple of years. And I remember I like had forgotten it until you said it just now. But I do remember that um, when we were comparing stories, we have such similar backgrounds with that, like our dream job being in advertising, working super hard to get it, getting it, being in that like corner office and then being like, wait, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, where's the joy? What happened? You know, it's so it's so trippy. Um, But I think that's such like a beautiful lesson. And I think we're both very fortunate to have kind of been that young and like knew that something was off and that things could be different if we wanted them to be, you know, I think that's kind of where like my not settling muscle really started to grow where I was like, I don't have to do this if I don't want to, given I had really supportive parents to like Mm -hmm. nurture that along the way. But yeah, I commend you for that. I think that's great. And I, you also gave me my first tarot card reading. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I remember that day so vividly. Yeah. In my living room. Yeah, that you, was such a fun day. Totally. She, Cassandra took pictures of me for my 
website and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I just stuck around her house and hung out as long as she would have. <laughs> yeah, we pulled tarot cards and I was like, what is happening? And now I'm just, <laughs> now I pull them every day. I love it. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So while I could segue into today's topic so many different ways, my intuition is screaming at me just to go for it head first because I truly believe that people, myself included, just need this conversation in their ears and in their souls. So Anxiety is a beast. Do you recall your first experience with anxiety where either you were unfamiliar as to what was happening or maybe you knew what to call it? Yeah, that's a good question. Like that's the perfect way to phrase it because I wasn't given a like diagnosis, like somebody Mm. telling me with words like this is anxiety until I was in my like mid early mid twenties and I was like seeing my first therapist. Mm -hmm. But as a child, I had all of these like red flag warning signs, alarms going off and just nobody knew that that's what it was. So I didn't know what that, what it was, but as a kid, I had like, um, you know, spontaneous like stomach problems and I would be sick all the time and throwing up and horrible migraines that were like debilitating and like all these different like physical symptoms would come up. But I, I always just thought that was like, what everybody felt like I thought everything I was experiencing it never came to my attention that it wasn't what everybody felt until I was maybe like older and in my like teenage years and my 20s and I was like oh not everybody is in Mm. like constant dread all Mm. the time like I don't understand like why why aren't you afraid of this why aren't you like panicking right now and then I started to like maybe piece things together And it wasn't until, so those were like the first signs, like having those things, but I didn't know what it was. So it never was on my radar until I was in college, my last year of college. And my boyfriend broke up with me, like my boyfriend of three and a half years, we were best friends. Like it was like a big moment. It kind of like wrecked me. And it was like not even an hour later that I put myself in a therapy office and I was like, I need Good help. For you. And cause throughout my, our whole relationship, like my anxiety was like a big problem, but like, he didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. So it was just like, I'm just scared all the time and I'm always panicking and freaking out. And so I had always thought about going to therapy and I never did until that day. So I walked into the office and then from there, I just started seeing therapists regularly now for the past 10 years. And that was like the first time they were like, you have anxiety, like, and there are ways to manage it. And then that's just been my dedication since then is learning about it, educating myself, learning how it manifests for me. How do I manage it in my life? And just sharing it as much as I can when I find out what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting for me that I've learned and I'll, I can get into this a little bit later too, but, um, I'm now on medication for mine. Um, and something that I've learned. So like two nights ago I was with my mom and I was like, what the hell? Like I started feeling like maybe I was going to get a migraine. My vision was getting blurry. My legs started shaking. Like they, mm-hmm. I was just standing up and they were profusely shaking and my ears got super hot. And I was like, Oh, I got really frustrated because I was like, hold on, I'm on medication. I have like, I already live like a pretty slow and simple life. So I thought that this medication was just going to be like, boom, I'm done with anxiety forever. I just don't even have to worry about it. And that's just not the truth. And therapy isn't the Band-Aid either. These are like support Mm -hmm. systems, if you will. They're, They're stepping stools. But kind of what you said is like, we have to do the work and we have to be mindful about what triggers it. And what I noticed was that my calendar was over 
flowed. I had completely overcommitted myself. And I just think that that's so important that you said that because I guess I want to segue into that next of like what that looks like for you being responsible for your own triggers and knowing how to soothe yourself, you know, and not relying on the therapist to, to be your end all be all. It's just, it's the container. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what that looks like is I would say like at the beginning, so like for the first five, six, seven years, eight years of therapy, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like just doing therapy and thinking like, this is what you do. You Mm -hmm. have anxiety, you go to therapist, they help you like, that's it. Mm -hmm. And my coping mechanisms were so unhealthy and so dangerous. What were they? they were, um, like making myself throw up. Like mm-hmm. I developed like a very bad binging problem uh, or a purging problem. I, and like nobody knew, you know, but I was doing that and, uh, just like binge drinking to black out, like dating and having like anonymous sex with whoever was willing, like all sorts of like numbing agents mm-hmm. throughout my life and never like, taking responsibility and saying like, I need to handle this and take control of it. So I would just numb it. And then when I got pregnant, I had horrible like perinatal anxiety at like my, I had anxiety already. So like, I, I feel like maybe being pregnant just like compounded it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like its own thing. So my anxiety just happened to get worse and I couldn't do any of those things when I was pregnant. So I started um, like scratching into my arm and like mm-hmm. cutting into my arm and that was like my self-soothing mm-hmm. of, of my anxiety and that I, it was terrible until I took control of that. I finally admitted what I was doing to my husband and I like, you know, I committed to not do that. Like I have to be better for her. Like I have to lead by example and show her what it is to, to take care of yourself. And so that was like the biggest turning point. Like after having her, I just was like, I have to take responsibility for this. I have to learn. I have to come up with healthy coping mechanisms. I have to do the hard work, be really honest with myself, understand my triggers, all of that. So now what it would look like for me is recognizing when I'm having an anxiety or panic attack. Like I recognize the physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. I, I, I try not to like pinpoint like what co- triggered it in the moment. Cause that doesn't help me. Sure. So if I'm like having a panic attack, it's like, why, what, what was it? And usually it's nothing immediate. So you can't, it, it's just, it's all these other things that like build mm-hmm. up and then your body or for me, my body just like reacts. So don't focus on like, that. Focus on the moment, like being in yeah, the moment. Focus yeah. on like the sensations and like, talking yourself through it like this is gonna pass you're not dying you can breathe like focus on a point on the wall or focus on like mantras or whatever Mm -hmm. and just like getting really comfortable asking for help which has been my biggest struggle and still is but being able to like go to my husband and be like I'm having a panic attack I need you to step in and like watch the kids or something and I need Mm. to go handle this and stuff like that that's that's what it is for me now it's just recognizing it and not judging it and just I the way that I talk about recovery from anxiety or from anything is that like it's not recovering and then you're done it's this like forever process and my opinion is you just you create a quicker recovery time Mm -hmm. so when it comes up you're dealing with it for shorter and shorter periods of time whereas that type of panic attack would have screwed up my whole day or Mm -hmm. multiple days 
it instead screwed up like a few hours in my morning and I dealt with it. And then I was, you know, I thanked myself, I forgave my body, I moved on and I was able to make the most of the rest of my day. So that's kind of what what it looks like for me now. Yeah. I think also too, I think the word recovery for me, triggering isn't correct. It's just recovery for me when I think of recovery and like thinking of having to have it be like a daily practice, that feels daunting to me. That feels like a lot of work. And so I want to invite the conversation or the um, alternative approach of like, you can name it whatever you want to name it. Recovery, um, for me, it's healing or like Mm. self-love. I know that sounds really trite and cliche these days, but like truly, if you treat it as an act of self-love or healing, you are showing up for yourself every single day. So for some, while recovery can feel like there was something wrong with me in the past and so I'm still recovering every single day from that problem, I think it could be beneficial too to like look at that from a different lens and be like, no, I'm just like healing my body. I'm taking care of my mind every single day. It's a privilege that we have as human beings on this earth to do that. We have vessels that allow us to do that. Mm, I completely agree. And that's exactly the the perspective I've been taking recently and Mm -hmm. and more like the past year, I guess. And especially like since being home, like a lot of self-work has been going on because I'm just here. But and we're in this like pressure cooker and you have nowhere to go. So you kind of have to deal with your stuff up front. Mm -hmm. But I've learned that my biggest thing lately is like setting and honoring my boundaries and oh, that's yeah. always been something you know to do. Like you have to set boundaries. You have to you know when to say no, whatever. And that always like intellectually I understood that. But what I'm learning now is I have to first get to know myself and understand what I need and understand where my limits are in order to put those boundaries in place and then yep. keep them. And you're going to hit a wall when you learn yourself. And that exactly. sucks. Yeah. Yes. And then I realized, like, I was telling myself, like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't accept this because Mm -hmm. and then but I didn't know because why. So then I would put a boundary in place. Someone would walk over it and I wouldn't be able to hold it up. I wasn't strong enough. But now I'm like, I know why I need to put this boundary there, because Mm -hmm. when it's crossed, this and this and this happens. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just a much more a much stronger and more vigilant gatekeeper Mm -hmm. of my stuff. So that I can be loving and empathetic and all these things that I want to be in the best version of myself. But I had to sit with myself for a long time and figure out, like, what are my needs? Mm -hmm. Where are they coming from? How do I ask for them? And, like, I was never – that was never in my awareness to, like, Mm -hmm. sit down and get to know myself. I love that you said, like, a gatekeeper for yourself. I'm going to steal that. That's really beautiful. (laughs) I So the other night that I was telling you about that situation where, like, my legs went numb and my vision got blurry – what's interesting that happened mentally was, you know, I love boundaries. I came on your podcast to talk about boundaries. It's something I feel like I'm really, really good at. Um, I've gotten really good at being like, no, and I don't need to give you a reason all wrapped in compassion, of course. Um, and what happened was I think my anxiety, a, bubbled up because like I said, I had completely overcommitted myself and was feeling resentful towards other people, which was not their responsibility, but mostly towards myself. And then what else happened was I got so mad at myself because I was like, I know better. Like, am I a fraud? Because like I said, I've been on your podcast and I've talked about this. I've talked about boundaries until I'm blue on the face on my own podcast, on the blog. It's how I live my life. I I'm supposed to be living this like slow and simple intentional life. And for the most part I do. And I had this weekend of slip ups 
And I was so mean to myself. And I really do think that we don't give ourselves enough compassion to to invite those mistakes to come in. And so I think kind of like what you said, getting to know yourself is a forever practice. You're never going to have this list of boundaries that's like, this is me to a T. It's like, I think that's why check-ins with yourself, like every morning if you can, every week is so essential because boundaries might look different for you each week, mm-hmm. you know? And that's something that was kind of like a mini rock bottom that I hit the other night where I was like, whoa, okay, hold on. Like I fucked up. This does not feel good. I will remember this mm-hmm. for when I flow into next week or when I have another free weekend. I'm not going to fill it up like this. It did not feel good. It did not feel nurturing. And I'm moving on. I don't need to beat myself up anymore. Exactly. Quicker recovery time. Yeah. That's perfect. So I want to know if you're willing to share. Um, you participated in this when I did this on Instagram, and I found it so fascinating and just like it actually made me pretty emotional. But I mm-hmm. asked people how anxiety shows up for them physically because I think that's another thing that people don't really talk about is mm-hmm. there are so many different physical symptoms. I mean, I can name like 10 that I've experienced yeah. on my hand, but I think some of us have reoccurring ones. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that stands out to you that happens to you physically when something is coming up? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what I wrote to you, but just, just from right now. So it's, Oh God, it's so physical. It's mm-hmm. so physical. Which is and scary. <laughs> one of the main ones is like stomach upset. Mm-hmm. So like you're feeling like suddenly you have a stomach ache, you don't know why. And when you don't know that anxiety is an issue in your life, you point to like everything else. So maybe something I ate, maybe I drank too much, maybe I didn't drink enough water. Like you start coming up with rationalizations. So stomach upset is a big one. Um, like lightheadedness, feeling faint, ringing in my ears, like my face gets all like tingly. Um, Like you said, your vision gets blurry, major headaches. I get stress headaches like down the back of my head and neck into my shoulders. I get pinched nerves in my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's and like the ears getting hot. That's like I never noticed, but that's like another one. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that those are like and like also just like this this irritability so like Mm. it's like your your skin's on like your skin's on fire like you just want to like crawl out of your skin and it's this this really it's uncomfortable it's Mm -hmm. a discomfort and a dis-ease and it's out of nowhere Mm -hmm. I describe it as like getting a giant package that you didn't order just like dropped in your lap and it's super heavy and now you're responsible for having to move it even though you didn't ask for it that's 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 good yeah yeah, the the crawling out of your skin thing, I never fully understood that until it happened. And it's like, I wanted to like rip my clothes off. I know that sounds crazy, but like it felt like everything was like right around my neck. And I remember I was on a boat with my mom when it happened. And I just kept thinking, I'm like, I would feel so much better if I could just throw myself overboard and into the water. And, like, water is really healing for me, but that's, like, all I wanted to do. And, like, clearly you're not allowed to do that. And I was just, like, oh, my God, get me the fuck off this boat. Get me out of these clothes. I just want to be naked and in the water. And, like, nobody talk to me. (laughs) But I think that's that's also what's so wild for me when this all started is that, like, no one talked about it out loud. No one talked about these symptoms. You would just hear, like, I have anxiety. I'm so stressed out in my experience. Like, Mm -hmm. the people around me, that is what I heard. So... 
when the phys- physical things started to happen, I was just like, what the hell is wrong with me? And why can't I just chill out? And then to have people who maybe didn't understand be like, you're so intense or you're so uptight when I'm like, no, I'm actually not. Like, I'm yeah. chill as a cucumber. Something's wrong. Um, I was in the dark. And that's why with this podcast, this episode, I'm just like, no, like, we're not doing that here. We're going to talk about hard shit. And we're talking about the things that hurt and the things that affect us on a regular basis. So yeah. I'm just going to repeat it and say I'm grateful that you're important. here. I think it's important to note that a lot of people are in a similar situation, as you just said, where the people around them are like, oh, I'm, ang- I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. I'm worried. I have stress. And that's like totally normal human experience stuff. Like mm-hmm. people feel ang- everyone feels anxiety every now and then. Everybody feels that type of stress. But not everybody has like an anxiety disorder mm-hmm. that like manifest physically and is debilitating and interrupts and interferes their their quality of life Mm -hmm. so that isn't everybody so it's really hard for people like us before we have the tools to like talk about it understand it to exist around other people and and explain ourselves Mm -hmm. because it sounds to another person over dramatic you know we're being crazy all these other things which is hurtful and then we start spiraling and thinking that's true so the biggest thing is just empowering people to become advocates for their own mental health so they can get the words to then share with other people and then they can get the support that they need. Absolutely. And to add on to that too, this might sound a little strange, but like I've gotten to a place where I'm really trying to create this like really intimate, sweet relationship with my anxiety where like when it's creeping up, I'm like, okay, what an offering. Like my body, I'm I'm trying to look at her as like an alarm clock where she was like, hey, 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 like I love you. I need you to pay attention. You're doing something that's not feeling good. And that's been a really nice way for me to sort of just like whoosh, kind of like wave into it and not resist it, but instead be like, okay, it might take me a few minutes to figure out like where did I, where did this trigger come from? Is there something for me here? Um, but I think it's important to say this out loud to anyone who's listening to myself and to Lauren that getting to know your anxiety is also a really beautiful fucked up gift to and way to get to know yourself on such an intimate level that like a lot of people might not really be able to do. It's messy and it's mm. dirty sometimes, but like I feel like I know myself better now than ever since I've gotten anxiety. And I have even more concrete boundaries than when you and I spoke on your podcast because my anxiety creeped up after that. And so now I look at my, like I'm making lists of like relationships in my life where I'm like, those aren't helping me. Um, These ones are, you know, like even like this material of clothing makes me feel squirmy. Like I'm no longer buying that, like weird Mm. things like that. Um, so I think it can be looked at as a gift too. And I, I don't say that lightly, but. That's so beautiful. That's a beautiful way to put it. So you also have children and you have a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. And I want to touch on this because I'm sure a lot of people can relate. So when your anxiety creeps up and you're mothering, like I can't even, I have a puppy <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like I can't take you for a walk right now, even though that would probably help. But to have <laughs> babies how do you cope? I imagine you're sensitive towards not wanting to project it onto them or even onto your husband. So like, oh, can you walk us through what that's like? 
Yeah. So I do, I have three kids. So I have two. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So I have two stepsons and then I have my daughter and my daughter's two and a half now. And then my stepsons are eight and 12. And yeah, my anxiety was like at its peak, like all of my mental health stuff, anxiety, depression, panic disorder, everything was just like at its maximum level, like maybe at the very beginning of being a stepmom with my two mm-hmm. stepsons. So that whole big life change and like not really mm. preparing for it or anything, like it just all came up and it was just at the very beginning of me, um, of me figuring out like what therapy I wanted and stuff like that. So there was, it was messy and I was a mess. I was like blowing up at the kids a lot. I was fighting with my husband a lot. I was you know, sad and crying and all this, like all of it, all the time going through all the dark stuff. And I, I, I don't know. There's nothing, I can't say I would have, I can go back and change it, but like looking back, I wish I had the tools to be able to like speak it to the kids a little more, like apologize for when I lashed out or like explain to them why I couldn't do this or couldn't do that. Like, cause now I'm able to, so now when I'm mothering and it comes up, I will, you know, lash out. Like I lashed out last night cause I, at my daughter when she was taking a bath and she was just like asking me to get out of the bath, but I was like in the middle of a conversation with my dad on the phone and she just kept like repeating it mm-hmm. over and over. And I just like blew up, even though everything was fine. Like nothing was triggering me otherwise. Like we were having a perfectly good day, perfectly good evening, but I just blew up at her mm-hmm. and it, that's like the most devastating feeling. Mm -hmm. So like when you see a parent like blow up at their kid and just like lash out and blow off, like nine times out of 10, that parent would rather do anything else than Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. So like once it happens, it's just like, you can't put the bottle back, the bottle cap back on, like it's out and you just feel so much regret, so awful. So I sat her down, even though she's like two and a half. And I was like apologizing. I explained that I was frustrated. I explained that she doesn't deserve to be spoken to that way. Um, You know, like just Mm. having real conversations with her about it. And that's all I can do. So I can't just promise that I'm never going to blow up at the kids. Right. Yeah. But I can promise to always use those moments to teach them something about human nature so that when they inevitably blow up, which they will as people, Mm -hmm. they can also handle it better than they would have. Mm -hmm. Because they also blow up at each other and scream. And everybody does. Everybody does something they regret and say something they regret. But if you take responsibility for it and, like, show the person that you love and respect them and that you're sorry, like, that's something worth having in your toolkit. Absolutely. And I love that, like talking to the kids like adults, you know, like having those conversations, even though she's two and a half, like that will reach her subconscious in some way of like, okay, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. um, And that you are showing respect for her by having that conversation. So I think that's really lovely. So what happens if, let's say, let's paint a scenario for like any other parents out there listening who are like, yeah, but when I wake up, I'm so anxiety driven and I have to take care of my babies. Mm. <laughs> what then? Yeah. What's in your what toolkit? It, what it feels like for me, I mean, hmm. so some, I guess what something that can like help that, mm-hmm. that is my normal, right? Mm. Like somebody with anxiety, like that's just like your baseline. 
and you're just used to it. So mm-hmm. you wake up anxious, you're anxious throughout the day, like things trigger you, like that's just your day to day. And you kind of learn how to just move through life with it. Right. And it's just this big, heavy backpack you carry, but you don't put it down. And I've learned how to, I've been taking a lot of time to learn how to unpack that backpack, make it lighter, put it down every now and then, all of that. So something that helps me in the morning, because I know mornings are hard for me, is I create like a, I created a little morning routine. So my daughter's my alarm clock. Like I don't get to like wake up before her and have like a small little time to myself. So like I wake up to her screaming on the monitor and that's my alarm clock. Mm -hmm. So I'm already just like high alert, like Mm -hmm. as soon as my eyes open and my day starts with taking care of her. So I take her out of bed. I have to like nurse her and we take, watch a show together and like that whole thing. And then I'm like waking up her brothers and getting them ready for their day. And that's like the motions I'm running through. But I find time as I'm taking care of them to take care of myself. So I have like my few things that I do. I drink like a chlorophyll water that I make for myself. I make myself a certain type of coffee. I do my CBD. That's been like my biggest, biggest consistent effective relief in my anxiety is taking CBD every day. And I have like my five, five checklists thing, like five things on the checklist that I do for myself. And I know that that helps. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like make my anxiety go away. But it, it's showing myself that I'm trying to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, good enough. Yeah. But I haven't found a way to just, like, wake up without anxiety. Because you, you, you can't. That's unrealistic to think that you ever are going to have control over that. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. show up whenever it wants. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to have to do your best to handle it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but if you were waking up with anxiety and worrying about, like, how you're going to take care of your kids, like, you're going to take care of your kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you you don't have a choice. Like you do it. And in your head, you might think that you're doing a crappy job because you're anxious and you're dropping all these balls, but you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not. That's a story you're telling yourself. You are taking really good care of your kids. You're putting them first. You're so worried about how you're mothering them that you're already like the best mom. Yeah. I was going to say therein lies the actual truth. You know, you care and you're feeling uptight about whether or not you're doing a good job. (laughs) And that's, that's your proof right there. Yeah. So yeah, there are days where I'm like, I cannot Mm -hmm. do anything today Mm -hmm. and you're going to watch hours of television Mm -hmm. and that's what you're going to do. And that's beautiful. And then I know, like, I know that they're not doing that every day. I know that I'm not ignoring them. I'm sitting on the couch with them, but I'm, I can't like play teacher Mm -hmm. all day without end Mm -hmm. and expect myself to be okay. And even if you're not sitting on the couch with them, that's okay too. You know, like if you need time like out in your garden or you need time to just like stare at a wall, like (laughs) if that's going to ground you and to keep you in your center, like you have to do what is good for you. Kids are not. Yeah. Yeah. And especially now with quarantine parents, Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, my hat's off. Yeah, it's, it's, you forget, like, how much of a village you have, even if you're not, like, thinking about it, like, the fact that there's going to school with teachers, or they have daycare, there's a nanny, or grandma can come over, Mm. they can go to the neighbors, or they can have a play date, like, there's all these other people that can, like, pay attention to your kid, Mm -hmm. where now for the past seven months, like, it's just you paying attention to your kid. Yeah. And you forget that, like, okay, you you can pretend the TV is the babysitter for an hour Mm -hmm. and go and, like, drink wine by yourself on the patio Mm -hmm. or, like, type an email or whatever and, like, not be on top of them because, like, you've been on top of them ten times more than you usually are. So, Mm -hmm. like, you can step back. And we forget because we just go forward. We go 
move forward and chug along, forgetting how different it looks right now. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about paralysis too. So within anxiety, one of my main things, main signals for when I'm entering into a big bout is um, I get something that I call decision paralysis where it's so bizarre, but I literally can't even decide if I should go right or left or eat a banana or a strawberry and it becomes the biggest deal. And my body just like shuts down. It stops firing. Everything feels like too much. And to an outsider, I probably look like, like knock, knock, is anyone home? Like, is she serious? But inside I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Why isn't my brain firing to make a decision? It's fruit. You know, like it's not that big of a deal. I'm wondering if, so my mom is one of the, my mom and my partner Jonathan are like two of the people that recognize this the most where I can look at them now and just go like, I'm, I'm having decision paralysis like I can't. And they're like, oh, okay, got it. And they'll just make the decision for me. But when I'm by myself or, you know, like with friends, I'm like, I don't really want to have to tell you about this decision paralysis. I'm wondering if you experience anything like that with your anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, So mine doesn't manifest in in decisions necessarily, Mm -hmm. but it does show up where I like procrastinate. Mm -hmm. So my perfectionism and my procrastination are the exact same thing. They're just synonyms. So like, or they're like, just want, they're attached to each other. Mm -hmm. So because I'm a perfectionist, I procrastinate because I'm never going to be perfect. So I procrastinate, like it's just this cycle. Mm -hmm. So that comes up a lot. So like I'll start a project and then not get back to it for months or like, I just, it's overwhelmed. Like I get overwhelmed really easily, easily. I'm really sensitive. And when I get so many things thrown at me at once, it's hard for me to cope. And that was showing up a lot. Like with arguments with my husband because he doesn't experience that. Or if he does, you know, in his mind, he like, he can't just stop. He Mm -hmm. has to just keep going. But like, I feel like when people don't really live with what you're living with, it's hard for them to really see it and understand it. But like, if he gave me like five simple tasks to accomplish Mm -hmm. and I just like couldn't, Mm -hmm. and I just wouldn't do them, it would obviously be frustrating for him. Like they're so simple to sit down and do one, two, three, four, five, and you're done. But if I'm in that space of like, I can't do anything, Mm -hmm. like I'm useless, like all I can do is sit on a couch Mm -hmm. and that's as much as I can do. So that it becomes like you, you come off as like lazy, which I don't like to come off as I come off as like incapable, which I don't like to come off as. So it's just like been the paralysis definitely affects my ego Mm. and I've had to work on that. So like the paralysis makes me come off as all of these things that I don't want people to think I am. I don't want to come off as stupid, lazy, incapable. And when I am in a paralysis, when I am like disassociating and just like removed from reality, because that's how my brain is coping with the overwhelm, I come off as those things Mm -hmm. and I would judge myself and fight it. But like, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, none of those things are true. Mm -hmm. I know that. I know I'm not those things. I know what's happening is that my body is just protecting myself Mm -hmm. and I have to just move through it. Mm -hmm. And I have to just explain it best I can to the people around me who love me and they'll offer support or they won't. Mm -hmm. But that like at this point, my husband understands, like he's starting to understand more the more that I become in control of it. And yeah, some days I'm just gonna, you know, fire off a billion emails mm-hmm. and do a bunch of podcasts, like do all the things. And then the next day I'm just gonna like not be able to move. Yeah. And it's 
it seems jarring to the outsider. Like, why would you just stop? Like, you're on a roll. Like, keep going. Like, you did so much yesterday. But no. There's like, no explanation. Yeah, it's yeah, just so like. It's just whatever you need each day. If you need to just not make decisions, then, yeah. then that's what you need that day. Mm-hmm. And you have to give yourself that. Give yourself the soothing of just not. Mm-hmm. Just not making a decision. And, and Yeah. And going back to your husband, like how he can, he like understands sort of now when you're in that rhythm, that's for me why a support system has just been so amazing. So a few of my closest friends deal with anxiety and fortunately and unfortunately, I don't wish this on anyone, but um, my partner Jonathan has been really open with mental health and his own journey. And recently he even got the mental health tattoo on his wrist which I love as a means just to show people indirectly that he's always open and willing to talk about it. And I think that that's been such a game changer to not only have like a handful of people to turn to and say like, help, I need help, but Mm -hmm. people to truly empathize with you, to feel you and understand you, even if they may not like, you know, we both have paralysis, but it looks different for both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So, on that subject, do you feel like you're good at asking for help when you need it when it comes to your anxiety? Or are no. you a little bit, ah, yeah, you resist. You're like, I That's got this. That's yeah. my biggest struggle right now. And, like, mm. not struggle, but it's the thing at the forefront that I'm working on right now. That's, like, mm. jumped up to the top of the list. Mm-hmm. I've handled a few of the other setbacks with, with things, and now I'm on that one. Um, but, yeah, I, I've never been good at asking about asking for help about anything Mm -hmm. so it would make sense that I don't ask for help about my mental health um but I do when it comes to building a support system I will say my in my experience being mindful of who you put in that circle is important so for example my husband loves me and supports me and always will and he's like my biggest cheerleader and he wants the best for me but he doesn't quite understand what I'm going through yep so as much as he'll create space to hear me out, that's as much as he can offer. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But if I need to talk to somebody who's able to offer me advice or um, just the, like empathy and compassion about what I'm feeling Tools. because they've been there, yeah. then I have to talk to like a select group of like friends who like when my very best friend is like a mental health counselor, like that's mm. what she has. A, and she also has her own mental health stuff that she has experience with. And I've known her since I was like a teenager. So like all of that together creates her to be this like perfect person that I can always just open up to Mm -hmm. and just share and she gets it Mm -hmm. and just like paying attention to who you unload on is is also important because it's such precious cargo like when you unzip yourself and like let people in on like the crazy that's going on it's like I don't like to use that word but like the messiness the chaos Mm -hmm. that is in our head it's like the intrusive thoughts the stuff that like doesn't make any sense when you say it out loud but you have to say it and get it out so it's out of your brain like I always am just careful of who I say that stuff to because if you say it's the wrong person they're like oh my god she really thinks that like someone's gonna murder her if she goes in her driveway tonight like I don't intellectually really think that, mm-hmm. but I it comes in my head and I can't get it out. It's an intrusive mm-hmm. thought. So I just am... Or I'm even someone with, like, the, the best of intentions, but, like, and someone who could love you, but someone who gives, like, advice to you where you're like, that, no. Like, yeah. what? Like, and that can almost make your situation worse. So I yeah. love that you brought this up because yeah. that little orbit, for anyone with mental health, that little orbit 
Lauren nailed it on the head. Be so careful. Does not mean you have to shut people out. You can talk about your mental health as openly as you want, as Lauren and I do. But when it comes to, yeah, expressing your deep needs and, like, current wounds, yeah, be so careful. That is solid advice. And then it also, like, you don't want to set yourself up for a situation where you have to, like, be defensive. Exactly. You know, so, like, when you're explaining yourself and someone is like, well, that's not real. Exactly. You're fine. And then you have to defend yourself. And then it's just yeah. I know I'm fine, but I don't feel fine right now. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out why I'm not feeling fine. Yeah. I know I am fine. I know everything is fine, but I'm not feeling fine. And that's confusing. And I'm Mm -hmm. trying to work that out. And to speak to someone who doesn't have that experience, they're like, well, mm. just just snap out of it. Yeah, like, just go take your, a bath. Look You're at like, your life. It's like yeah. anxiety is not being ungrateful. Yeah. It's not like think, wishing you were better or different or whatever. Like it's just mm. – it happens. It happens to your body and you need to deal with it. I or love that you said to. that. Yeah, I love that you said that, that like, you know, expressing your anxiety or being in your anxiety is not being ungrateful or not recognizing, you know, all of the good that you have in your life. I think it's actually the opposite. It's yearning to get back to that gratitude. It's a distraction and like something literally sucking you out of what's good. And you're like, no, like clawing, like, Mm-mm, I want to be with what's good. That's a great image. That's perfect. Yeah. So, okay, on that subject, again, I want to touch on boundaries just really quick. Um, <laughs> a, I already said it, love them. B, <laughs> I want to know what boundaries look like for you in your life. So if you're willing to share, let's start with maybe what boundaries you have set in place for the relationships in your life mm-hmm. and then the types of commitments that you um, are willing to make both personal and professionally. What is that? little world look like for you? Yeah. So personally with relationships, like the place that I've had to build, I've always been like pretty good about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like I say no pretty easily. Like I'm very decisive. I'm compassionately able to just be like, that's not for me. And like, that's always been like a skill set I have. Mm -hmm. I've had, I guess, but when it comes to like my partnership with my husband, like it just blew it out the water. Like I, I it had to start over, mm-hmm. I guess, because there was all these things that I wasn't expecting. So in regards to something that's been most recent, that has been a big help is in regards to our co-parenting situation with his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. So it's amicable. Like we have a good relationship, but like shit comes up mm-hmm. and shit gets heated. And I don't do well with that. Mm-hmm. Like I am not available for that. And mm-hmm. I used to just like do whatever he wanted because I wanted to support him and I would just get in all the conversations and just, mm-hmm. you know, be in it and all this stuff, even though I didn't agree or it wasn't about me or like I would just p- participate and make myself available for whatever he needed. So when you and say you're not available, do you mean like you don't have the, you're, you're protecting your energy. You're not going into that. Yeah. Uh, so now I, I love set that. a boundary where like I am no longer available for that type of conversation And I shouldn't have to be. And I know that if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't expect my partner to be. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to like, I like sat down, I wrote out because I've learned with my husband, like, I can't just like speak. I have to like write down what I'm going to say or else I go off the rails. Mm -hmm. So I wrote down like everything I was thinking and I like shared it with him and he understood it completely. And now he is able to like respect that boundary a little more. Mm -hmm. So when things so when we are in conversation and things do seem to be getting heated and I just 
excuse myself and I'm like now I'm gonna walk away he's not like upset with me and coming at me after like why did you walk away why weren't you there you know exactly why I wasn't there so like that expectation has been mm-hmm. set so you know as soon as things start getting heated I'm gonna be walking away I'm gonna step away yeah yeah and that was a really hard thing for me to just admit to and try and practice mm-hmm. and the same goes with like you know he if he has like a, a fight with like maybe his sister or, or something going on with like any other like thing I used to just like be the mediator and Mm. I would just get in and try and fix everything because I'm able to do that really well I'm able to have really healthy relationships with everyone in my life so I would say like oh I can I could do this I can talk to them but then I was like nope that wasn't working I'm not available yeah so now you are going to have those conversations with the people you need to and if it gets heated I'm sorry but you're going to handle that. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of how boundaries in the relationship has come up is just letting him know what I'm, what I'm not available mm-hmm. for. Um, and just sticking to that. And that took a lot of self reflection to see like, what am I okay with? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. okay with getting in heated discussions with his ex or, or things like that, or like family. Um, and I've been having to do the same, like when it comes to politics, like with my parents, they have different politics than me so I try really hard to just like compassionately bring up information to them if they're not receptive and I notice that I'm getting heated which I do very quickly I'll just say like okay like let's change the subject then like we're not getting anywhere and Mm -hmm. I just try not to just go go forever yeah just protecting your energy so what about is it does it feel the same with friendships that's something where I feel really um really overwhelmed by when I'm since I've been dealing with anxiety and this isn't something that goes away this is one of those healing things that we talked about or recovery um, where I can stretch myself too thin and really try and please everyone when in reality if I like look at my list I'm like there are only a handful of people that give to me what I give to them and that's not to be like tip for tap but you know what I'm talking about right that like beautiful energy exchange of like We are invested in each other, and that's beautiful. And then there are, like, 30 other people on the planet that I love, you know? I love, but it doesn't mean that they need my full attention and energy every day. So I guess I'll ask you because I respect you so much, and I I guess I'll ask for everyone who's going through it, but I'll ask for myself of, like, what – advice do you have for that type of overwhelm of like stretching yourself too thin and sort of not releasing those friendships because that's not what I'm after but just sort of quieting the ones that aren't nurturing at the moment yeah that's a really good question um and have you been through that yourself (laughs) yeah I'm trying to think so like I know that in like when it comes to my friendships I have like a lot of really, really close girlfriends mm-hmm. and I'm, and, and guy friends. Like a lot of my friends are the same friends I've had since like elementary school. Mm-hmm. Like I have like really, really, really close friendships and I ch- cherish them and I nurture them and I try and stay in touch with people. But the truth is like, I'm known for like, maybe not staying in touch all the time, mm-hmm. not being available, um, things like that. I'm the friend who always wanted to just like stay home. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So that's that's kind of what it is. So when it comes to like stretching myself too thin friend wise, that never was an issue because I was never the girl who like had to go to every event and every party and mm. hang out with each person and make sure I made time for every single thing. Like I was the exact opposite where I was like, I'm going to be in my bed all weekend. If anyone wants to come watch a show, that's cool. If not, have fun what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So 
everyone, that's like the expectation, I guess, that I set for everyone of what to expect from me. I love but that. But I am still like very loyal and I'm always there for my mm-hmm. friends. I'm super supportive. I show up for them, but I never have found myself in a situation where I'm like giving too much to so many different people and not getting enough in return. Um, but I feel like in that situation, maybe some advice is when I do feel myself being just spread too thin in general, I try and like come up with like my priorities and seeing like, okay, my top priority is like my health, right? My health, the health of my family. Is that being affected? Is that being paid attention to? And then the next is like my kids, like, are they good? Am I paying attention to them? And like my relationship with my husband and then like my work, right? And like, so it's like myself, my family, my husband, my work, like those are the Mm -hmm. things. And if I'm stretched too thin beyond those things, I know that all those extra stuff are what I start dropping first Mm -hmm. so that I can just regain focus on the things that matter most to me. Mm. And figuring that out takes time. You have to figure out what matters most to you. Mm -hmm. So like, I know that a relationship with like my parents is really, really important. So like, I make sure to see them every weekend. And if I don't, I'm like mindful of it. And like these little, little corners of my life, Mm -hmm. I just need to shine lights on them in order to feel good and fulfilled. And if I see that any of them are dimming because of responsibilities elsewhere, I'll shut those lights off first and and get back to those things. Such a good analogy. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think for me too, it's been more of like, not even that I'm not necessarily getting back what I need in return, but like, because Mm -hmm. I think it's like, you know, anxiety feeds itself, right? So it's like, I know I have it. I know that I, especially getting the diagnosis, it's like, just because someone diagnoses with you with it too, like, I, I want to say this really quick, and I wonder if you agree. It's not to write off therapists or um, psychotherapists or anything like that, but if someone diagnoses you with something and it doesn't feel true, like, do your own research. Like, you are your biggest advocate. For me, when I was diagnosed with um, severe anxiety and chronic PTSD, that to me felt like someone like cracked me open and saw me for like the first time in a long time. So therein is a really good way to know if that's like accurate or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for me, what's happening now, what I'm noticing and what I'm really working on, like in this moment, this is my biggest, biggest self-healing project is not letting it feed itself. Mm -hmm. So when I, I'm usually pretty good at saying no, and I wish I was such a natural as you, but like when I say no, I have this intense feeling of guilt and this feeling of like, well, that person's just like going to stop asking or like being in touch with me then. Like I've said no, like five times, even though inside I'm like, that is correct. (laughs) So I think for me, it's like that surrendering and being like, that's, okay because the ones who understand you and the ones who like you know really see you are the ones who are going to be okay with it they're just going to miss you you know um but I think that's also a really hard lesson is you know not letting the anxiety feed on top of it and like be a part of every subject of your life Yes. I see that with my husband a lot. I feel like he gets decision paralysis. Like he's so indecisive. He has Mm. such a hard time. And because I am so decisive and we're so on the opposite sides of the spectrum, it was so confusing to me and we could never relate. And it was like, we would always like go back and forth. Like, why don't you see it this way? But the truth is like, he does what you were just describing. So if he says yes or no to something, 
like if he says no to doing something, he's like, oh, what are they going to think? What are mm-hmm. they going to say? Yeah. And like, if I do do this, like what's going to, what, what am I going to regret about it? Like he's always thinking about like guilt and regret with like every decision. And for me, I make decisions and I think about like, how is this going to affect me? Mm-hmm. And I look like if I do or do not do this thing, how is that going to impact me? Yeah. And that might be like self-centered, but I think that's the way it should it's be healthy. when you make decisions. Yeah. So it's not about like, how is this going to impact that person? Like you don't get to control how that person's going to receive or be impacted by your decision. It's not your business. But, yeah, it's not your business. And you can make assumptions and then be disappointed when your assumption was wrong, but that doesn't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you can just maybe that might be good advice if you're like having trouble, like always worrying about how your decisions are going to p- impact everybody and everything else. Mm-hmm. Try and like flip your mindset to be like, what is it doing to me mm-hmm. with with decisions. Yeah, I love that. So as we start to wrap up, I want to ask some random, somewhat personal questions, if that's okay with you. Yes, I okay. Love that. So the first one, what do you wish on the subject of anxiety and mental health in general would change? Oh, yeah, that it was just more um, in the mainstream, mm-hmm. that there was people were being educated on it more, that people were talking about it more freely. I think that's starting to happen. I see a lot of like public figures opening up about it and mm-hmm. things like that. And that's like a great start, but I just want to keep that ball rolling. And I want everybody to just be okay sharing this. Like, I think it's uh, people joke about how like the kids these days, like get like they're have all these different like uh, gender and like sexual orientations and like all these different words. And I feel like when my kids grow up, everyone's going to have like their own like little diagnosis and everyone's going to have their own thing that's specific to like their thought process. And it's just going to be super normal. And that's mm-hmm. just going to be like, oh, yeah, I have this type of anxiety and I have this type of this. And like, it's just going to be topic of conversation. It's mm-hmm. So matter of fact. Yeah. So if you could take a deep breath here and ask your soul what you think is the takeaway from the year of 2020 and what you think is to follow, what would you say? Mm, I wasn't expecting that, so I laughed. Um, (laughs) So the biggest takeaway from 2020 is um, the first thing that comes up is just gratitude. Mm. So I think everybody was forced to pause and reflect on what they have and not like they all the things that are coming up on their list and the places they're going and the trips they're taking and da 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 all of that just kind of mm. got put on hold mm-hmm. and you just had to stop and look around at what you had and feel immense gratitude for it because that's all you had for a while. Mm-hmm. Like you were just in your house with your family and like we all were just forced into this practice of appreciating, first of all, our health mm-hmm. and like learning how to make that a priority and just focusing on our kids and our partners and our loved ones and our friends and just developing deeper connections with them that were so much deeper than just surface level parties and Mm -hmm. this and that. And like all of that is just, it was, you know, it it was a year Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other things to say about Mm -hmm. it. But I think the biggest takeaway I'm getting is that I have everything I need, like always, like all the other stuff is gravy and I'll still work toward it. But if all of it was gone, I would still have what I have. And that's more than enough. Yeah, absolutely. And like for those of us who were in it, like on our own, you know, like living Mm -hmm. by ourselves, kind of repeating what you said earlier in the episode of like, it, it was a season, it is a season of deep integration and 
you know, when it's you and four walls, you're like, well, guess I'm going to get to know myself now, <laughs> you know, but even when you are with your family, it's, it's still that, well, I guess I'm going to get to know myself on a different level. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, are you an early bird or a night owl? I want to say neither. Um, I'm like a sleeper. Yeah. If you, if I could, I would just be on the couch all day watching TV. Like mm-hmm. everyone knows that about me. That's so funny. Um, so, and I don't get to do it much <laughs> now. So I do wake up early with my daughter. She's up by like six or six thirty, mm-hmm. and like, and I've, I'm able to wake up with an alarm and stuff. But if it were up to me, I would sleep late, go to bed early, mm-hmm. be cozy at home so all the time. So what gets you motivated then? What is it? Because you are like such a hard worker. So I'm curious if you're like with where you wish you were and all the shit you get done, what is it that <laughs> spikes you up? Yeah, what gets me motivated, honestly, is her, is my mm-hmm. daughter. Mm-hmm. Like she's my biggest motivation. Like I wasn't expecting that to happen. Like I've always felt like a motivated person. But it was really easy for me to just, like, stop myself from doing things because of, like, feeling unmotivated or, mm-hmm. like, procrastination. And I would just, like, roll my eyes and say, like, this isn't worth it. But um, having her, like, I just want to show her how possible everything is. I want to show her and lead by example that, like, I can do all these things and be successful and have a fulfilling work life. And, yeah, so, like, I wake up and I do these things and she's just, like, running around my feet while I'm doing them. But I know that I'm building up mm. to something and she's going to get to witness me achieve these things that I've been working toward. And I'm really looking forward to that moment where I, like, get the thing I'm working toward and she's there to witness it. That's oh, going to be really cool. I love that. What's a piece that you – or what's a piece of your life or of yourself that you celebrate daily, something that you're proud of? Mm, that's a cool question. Um, hmm. I feel like my confidence is something that's been upfront lately. Hmm. The more that I've gotten to know myself and put the effort, like mindful effort into getting to know myself and like who I am in this season of life. Yeah. Like I'm really just honoring all that I am. And that shifted a lot I feel like other people I mean this happens to everyone like everyone changes and has different seasons of life but definitely like since becoming a mom like I am an entirely new person Mm. like on a molecular level that I wasn't ready for and I didn't prepare for and it took like two two and a half years to like look in the mirror and be like oh there you are like Mm. I'm I'm back like Mm -hmm. okay and I'm just like Lauren 2.0 and I'm Mm. like the same person with like all this added shine to it I guess and now I'm able to like get to know her and like honor her and like play with her and like do all these things with myself that I wasn't Mm -hmm. able to before because I was like just so focused on being a mom curious too from like one podcast host to another my experience has been like I agree with confidence and stuff like that and really using my voice outside of the podcast has gotten so freaking strong like I am so clear and direct with what I want to say, and I attribute that so much to having this podcast. It has spiked my confidence level so much. Would you agree? I I do agree. I never thought about it, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and that also has to do with the fact that like I wasn't talking to people. Yeah. Like in the day to day, my day to day. Yeah. Especially from since being a mom, but even before that too, like. I wasn't talking to people. I spent so much time on the internet Mm -hmm. or like everyone's at work and they'd maybe talk to their, their um, colleagues and things like that. But like, I was never like in conversation, which is where I thrive. Mm -hmm. Like this is like, gives me life. So the fact that I'm like 
keep filling my cup with this type of stuff like every week mm-hmm. is is making me a better person. It's Absolutely. like making me the best version of myself. Yeah. What is one thing that's been lighting you up recently? Mm, well, the podcast for sure. Um, it's just I just realized it's been a year since I started. Ah, and that's I just amazing. That flew by. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's just been the best ride. I love it. I'm so proud of myself for starting it and keeping it going. I, yeah. I love it. And but the thing that's giving me life in like right now, just like recently, is the decision to self-publish my book. Yes. Um, what is the I, book about? So the book is about my experience with anxiety. It's about oh, amazing. We just talked about. Um, it's my experience with anxiety, like having an undiagnosed anxiety disorder as a kid and then growing up and like learning how to take care of it and then using that story to shed light on the anxiety that our entire generation mm. is suffering from at the hands of like social media and online marketing. And that's like informing how the decisions we're making and the choices we're making in our lives and how we're parenting and kind of using the book to encourage people to develop healthier relationships with their technology and their social media because there's a lot of like positive that could come out of it absolutely and it's not going anywhere so I want us to get a wrangle of it so that we can pass it on to our kids Mm because they're going to keep using it and so yeah that's the that's the book that's amazing do you have any sort of like an idea a desired idea of when you'll be publishing that yeah so um it will be in spring of 2021 I'm looking at May that's so cool So this coming May yeah so this I've I've had the book written for the past like two and a half years now it's done I wrote it I wrote it like right after my daughter was born like as like she was on sleeping Mm. on me every single day I was like writing it um what what truly happened was I took like everything I've written for the past 10 years like from college like everything I still had access to every article I'd published everything and put it all in a word document which was like hundreds and hundreds of pages and then I kind of just read through it and would make comments on like the themes that Mm -hmm. kept coming up Mm -hmm. and that 10 that was the theme like everything I've written about for the past 10 years was about mental health and social media and like how they play a role with each other. So uh, that's that's where the book came from. So it's done and it's written. I've been sending it to agents for like a year and a half and to no avail. And then I got an offer from a hybrid publisher, which I was excited about, but it didn't make any sense for me to do it that way. And then I had a friend who is is a published author herself and is super successful. And she kind of like gave me the motivation and what I feel like gave me the permission to do it. Cause like I had always been avoiding it. Cause I was like, well, I don't know how, and I don't have a big enough fan base and platform mm. and no one's going to read it and all these things. And she was like, you can absolutely do this. Like, there's no reason you shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And also <laughs> like, like nano, nano followings on Instagram yeah. are so powerful. I think that's mm-hmm. something that we like, that could be a whole other subject, but I, I truly believe that like, so my boyfriend is in data analytics and so he's like very informed on all of that stuff. And he's like, I just wish everyone would stop worrying about the amount of followers and the likes. It's literally about the community and the engagement, you know? So So, like the lack of followers is like, mm -mm, who cares? Yeah, I I compared it recently in my head, like how I was just saying I'm the one who like never needed to go to the party and never needed to be like at all the places. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about my followers. Like I have like, a smaller amount, but like they're all in and they're yeah. all engaged and they're always, so it's like, I'd much rather be at the party at somebody's house talking to everyone at the ca- on the couch and like getting into deep conversations with like 10 people yes. than like the popular kid's house where everyone's drunk and like jumping into pools and no one's talking to each other. Oh my gosh, that analogy. Followers. 
Yeah, but that's, uh, that's my brand of, of how I do things. Like, I want to be close-knit, tight, yes. all in, and not just, like, liking each other to like each other for the sake of it. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. So, lastly, where can people follow you um, and find you? Speaking of. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, one second. That's okay. Um, I'm gonna just tell my husband when. I'm not editing this out. This is so funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm literally texting and put her in front of the TV. <laughs> so um, they can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm hanging out all day long. I'm having a lot more fun there. So that's at my brand of happy. And I love, I, I like every message I get, I'm responding to, like, mm-hmm. I love talking to people there. I'm there all day long and I share as much as I can there. And that's where I'm like doing all my writing. I used to have a, I still have a blog, but I don't use it as much. Mm-hmm. I use my Instagram as like a micro blog, I like to say. And so that's where I'm getting all my writing done and sent out. And then I have my podcast, the perfect podcast. And you can listen to Cassandra's episode on there <laughs> and it's everywhere you can get podcasts. And I, bring on influential creators from around the internet and I ask them about the parts of their life that don't show up online and we talk about the intersection of mental health and social media use and how we can create healthier relationships with it It and my book will be coming out in May yeah (laughs) I want to have you back to talk about that I would love to talk about like mental health social media I think that would be incredible if you're willing I will be reaching out to like everyone I know to help me talk about this absolutely I got you (laughs) yeah well thank you so so much for being here you know I adore you and I'm so grateful that our friendship from forever ago has still lasted that is something to be grateful for with technology so thank you so much for taking the time for sure amen to that and I'm Mm -hmm. so so grateful I was like stalking you for like months before I hired you to be my photographer I just want to be friends with her she's so cool oh I don't know about that oh my gosh yeah I love you All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we'll chat soon. I will. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye.